it is, it's such an honor to, um, to live life together. And, and I, I want you to understand that, that the youth ministry at this church doesn't exist to be a silo. It doesn't exist to be up on the hill and you're here and they're there, but it exists for us to do life together, to experience life together. And, and, and we're better when we do it together, amen? And so, so this morning, as we are honoring our confirmands, um, um, I want you to understand a little bit why we do confirmation. And I want that to be an illustration for us and how we can do life together. Uh, one of the dangers, actually, in, in Confirmation Sunday, if there's a danger, is, is we give them these beautiful white robes. And, oh, I'm realizing my fly is down. That is not good. Woo! <laughs> See, we do life together. It's the way we do it. <laughs> Right? If you're at home and you see, yeah, it just happens. So there it is. So if it happens again, Jason, will you be on the lookout? Okay, thank you. So, so this is what it's like, exactly. So I guess there's two dangers. Your flies down when you preach, and I want to say something actually about our robes. And I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to offend anyone by what I'm about to say. But one of the dangers, I think, in giving our kids a robe is where do we give people robes typically? when they graduate. And that's one of the things that, that I always push back a little bit against. We do it, They're, you're gonna see them in the robes, but one of the dangers is that our kids can get this idea that okay, good, I checked the box and I'm done with confirmation and I can graduate and move on to the next thing in life. How many of you guys went through confirmation back in the day? A lot of you. I know when I went through it, a lot of my friends that were connected to other churches, it was their ticket out of the church. And I want to say that as, a, as, as we worship this morning, let us not get the idea that we're propping our kids up and they're checking the box and they're moving on to the next thing in life. That would be the worst thing that could happen. The best thing that could happen is that the confirmation is a launching pad for them. One of the kids in the video, you heard him say, man, in 30 years, Right? In 30 years, I want my faith to be something that is more important to me than it is right now. You know, this last week, um, we, we actually were able to celebrate the life of one of our beautiful saints, Glanny Weehee. Many of you knew Glanny. And a couple years ago, Glanny actually came up to the student center and she talked about her faith. And the question we asked Glanny was, Glanny, what was it? What was the decision that you made when you were in middle school? that is still affecting you today. I think Glanny would be okay with me saying she was 92. And she said it was confirmation. It was the decisions I made in confirmation that made a difference in my life and they're still making a difference in my life when I'm 92 years old. That's what we want. That's what we want, not just for these guys, but for us, right? Like, we do not want church to be a place where we come and we make decisions and we talk about God and we worship him and we do all these kind of things and then we walk away and we check the box because we went to church on Sunday. We're missing the point. I actually want to challenge us this morning to think about what it would look like for you and I on a daily basis to have an encounter with Jesus that changes the way we see the world. An encounter with Jesus, and we're going to get to this in a second, because the story we're talking about is when the paralytic was brought to Jesus. And you know, remember in this story, you're going to see in a second, what did the friends do to get the paralytic to Jesus? They tore a hole in the roof. 
because they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friends to Jesus. Man, and I'm praying that at the end of our time today that you're willing to do whatever it takes to tear a hole in the roof to get people to see Jesus in ways they've never seen it before because I believe, and I know you do too, that when people see Jesus for who he really is, it gets to us and it changes us and it works in our life. A few years ago, I was in India. And when I was in India, I was, uh, I was teaching. Um, I got asked to speak at a middle school because I'm a middle school pastor. And the team that I was with was um, some other people from Hillcrest. And um, some other people went to go um, with the teachers. And some other people went with the high school kids. And I got to go with the middle school kids. And so we packed ourselves into a room, and it was a small room. It was probably about the size of the stage, actually, but there's about 150 kids packed into this room. It was really hot and, and sweaty and really stinky, like really stinky, because I mean, middle schoolers, it doesn't matter where you are, you know, it's just, it's going to happen. And so, so we're packed into this room, we're packed into this room, and, and the, the purpose of this time was for them to just ask questions. It was a Hindu school, actually, um, that was just outside of Bangalore, India. And at this school, um, about 90% of the kids were Hindu, about 9% were Muslim, and about 1% of the kids were Christian. And so, so one at a time, different kids raise their hand and they start asking questions. You know, so the first hand pops up and the kid's like, hey, so tell me what it's like, like to live in America. And I, you know, answering that question. Oh, tell me, like, what's your house like in America? And, and then one kid raises his hand and he says, they call you uncle there, and he says, uncle, what do you do for a job? I said, oh, that's a great question. So I'm a pastor in a church. This kid was like, shoots his hand up again. He says, uncle, will you tell me a story about Jesus? We tell us a story about Jesus because we've heard a lot about Jesus and we want to hear a story about Jesus. And so I told him actually the story that we're going to talk about this morning, the story when Jesus heals this man who had been paralyzed. And after kind of talking through the story, um, this, this, another hand shoots up and it's one of the kids that went to the school that was a Christian. And he said, uncle, would it be okay if I stood up right now and told my friends why I chose to follow Jesus and why I think they should follow Jesus too. I mean, imagine the guts that it would take. I mean, it's scary enough to be in Johnson County, but the worst thing that's going to happen to one of these guys if they stand up and do that is what? People might make fun of them a little bit. That's the worst thing that's going to happen. In India, it's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different ballgame. I remember actually reading a report the day before about Christians that had been burned for their faith, like literally lit on fire because they chose to follow Jesus. There was this radical Hindu group that was not too far away that was really involved in, 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 um, in abusing Christians. And here this middle schooler stands up and he says, let me tell you why I chose to follow Jesus with my life. And when he gets done telling this story, another hand shoots up and it's one of the kids that would identify himself as one of the Hindus in the school. And he said, uncle, do you think it would be okay if you came with, came with us to our classrooms and pray that Jesus would be the Lord of this school. And literally, we spent the next hour going from classroom to classroom to classroom at this school, linking arms together and praying that Jesus Christ would be the Lord and Savior of this school and of the lives of the people in this school. It was incredible. 
And why did it happen? I think it happened because people saw a picture of Jesus maybe they had never seen before. They saw a side of Jesus that, that, that drew them in. They saw a side of Jesus that made them come alive inside that was different than anything they had ever experienced before. I'm praying this morning that you and I would have that experience. Not just our confirmants, but that you and I would have that experience. Actually, if you have your Bibles, um, if you can turn, or if you have your bulletin, you can just take that out. But in Luke chapter 5, I want to read us this story. And our hope is that we can take this story, we can take God's word, and we can throw our lives up against the truth of this text. Because when Jesus told this story, it wasn't just told so that it can be told 2,000 years ago, but it was told so you and I can experience it today. The truth of this text can literally turn the world upside down. It can change our church, it can change our community, it can change the world that you and I live in. And we are praying that this text would come alive. And so in Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, here's how the story goes. One day as Jesus was teaching, some men arrived carrying a paraplegic on a, on a stretcher. They're looking for a way to get into the house and set him before Jesus. When they couldn't find a way in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, or roof, depending on where you're from, sorry, removed some tiles, and they let him down in the middle of everyone, right in front of Jesus. Impressed by their bold belief, he said, friend, I forgive your sins. That set the religious scholars and the Pharisees buzzing. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemous talk. God and only God can forgive sins. Now Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And he said, why all this gossipy whispering? Which is simpler, to say I forgive your sins or to say get up and start walking? Well, just to be clear that I am the son of man and authorized to do either or both, he now spoke directly to the paraplegic. Get up, take your bedroll, and go home. Without a moment's hesitation, he did it. He got up, he took his blanket, and he left for home, giving glory to God all the way. And the people rubbed their eyes, incredulous. And then they also gave glory to God. Awestruck, they said, we've never seen anything like that. Let me just ask you this. I want, I want to ask you, really, honestly, like, the best thing we could do this morning is to make this as personal as possible. This isn't a story for the person next to you. This isn't a per story for the person behind you. This, isn't a this is a story for you and for me. And so let's make this personal this morning. Because this man had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. And I want to just challenge us with a couple thoughts about this text that could literally change our life forever. Because you and I, we don't graduate from our faith. You and I, we don't get to a point where we can't grow anymore. You and I live our lives in such a way that until we take our last breath here on earth and take our first breath in heaven, man, we still got work to do. And I don't mean work in a religious way. I mean work in a Jesus way where we can grow and we can fall deeper in love with him. And so I want to just ask us to think about a few steps that I think we can take as a church and as individuals that will help us learn what it means 
to tear a, roof in, tear a hole in the roof of Hillcrest Covenant Church. That there are some steps that you and I can take that will help us to live for Jesus today and in 30 years from now, our relationship with him is, with him is still taken off. And I think we can see it right in this text. The first thing we see in this text is that a bunch of guys, they have a heart and a passion for their friend. And they hear that Jesus is teaching. And they know and they've heard rumors that Jesus has healed people. He can heal people. And so they take their friend to Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, they find out that the church is packed out. There's no place to go. They can't get in. You know, there are roadblocks that you and I are going to face in life when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And I think the first step that you and I can take when it comes to what it means to have a relationship with Jesus that changes our lives forever is to identify the roadblocks. What are the roadblocks that are getting in your way, in my way, that keep us from this relationship with Jesus? And again, I don't want to just ask that and for you to go, oh, that's a good thought. I want to ask that question to you and to myself to identify what those roadblocks are. This week, one of the best things that we could do is to sit down and to take time and to be as honest as we can and to write out, man, what are the roadblocks that are getting in my way of getting to Jesus? Because when we can identify those roadblocks, it's gonna help us take some steps to get closer to Jesus. So these guys come and they hit a roadblock and what I love is that they, they hit the roadblock, but they didn't let the story in there. It would have been really easy, again, when they hit the roadblock, to look, turn to their buddy, who we don't even know his name, and to say, hey, let's call him Pete. Hey, Pete, you know, we tried. We wanted to bring you to Jesus because we know he can heal you. But, man, we just couldn't get in. They didn't do that. They didn't let the roadblock keep them from getting from G to Jesus. I actually wrote down a couple roadblocks that kind of come up in my life. Maybe you can identify with these. Things that keep me from Jesus. The first is the crowd. You know, the crowd sometimes, the people that we hang with, the people that we're close to, sometimes the crowd, the people that are speaking the loudest in our life can become a roadblock to us getting to Jesus because we're listening to their voice more than we're listening to his. Another roadblock is our condition the things that we're into, the choices we make. Others can be the critics. I don't know about you, but oftentimes, you know, what other people might say sometimes becomes more important to me than what God has to say. Maybe you can relate to that too. Sometimes my ego can get in the way. It's another roadblock where I put too much faith in myself and it's hard for me to give up control. Maybe that's you. Another one is my busy life. My busy life can get so busy. I can get so busy doing church stuff that I can forget about the whole purpose of us being here. It's to worship him. What if you were going to write down some of the roadblocks that keep you from getting closer to Jesus? What would your list look like? I challenge you to do that this week. Along with the roadblocks, Another step is to eliminate the excuses. Again, it would have been easy for these friends to, to throw out a bunch of excuses to their friend Pete on why they couldn't get to Jesus. And it's easy for us to do that. Maybe some of the roadblocks become excuses. Eliminate the roadblocks. Eliminate the excuses. 
And then another step that I think was beautiful in this text and in this story is I love the fact that, that they didn't let those things stop them. Somebody had a crazy idea, okay? And I love it because I'm guessing that these were teenagers. They have to be, right? Like they're sitting around, they can't get into Jesus, and somebody has the crazy idea, right? Somebody, there's something that happens, and somebody has this crazy idea, and some guy goes, dude, the roof, let's go tear a hole in the roof, and let's do something to get whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. You see, I think another step that you and I can take on a daily basis is not just eliminate the roadblocks and excuses, but we learn what it means to take risk after risk after risk because somehow the Holy Spirit spoke to somebody and said, go tear a hole in the roof, and they didn't let that stop them. What are the risks that God is calling you and me to take when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? Because these guys took that risk. I mean, just pause for a second. Imagine the story. Imagine like right now I'm teaching and all of a sudden something starts falling from the roof here. And all of a sudden you hear like a jackhammer and you hear a saw and all of a sudden there's a hole in the roof because somebody couldn't get in and they were willing to do whatever it took, take whatever risk it took to get to Jesus. Are you willing? Am I willing? to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to trust the voice of God and go be with Jesus. There's a great opportunity we have as a church, an opportunity that's been given to us um, in, in Greece this summer. This is just, this is not a shameless plug. This is an honest, maybe this could be a practical thing for you to think about. This summer, there's a group of Hillcrest people that are going to be going over to Greece because there's a great organization um, um, started by, uh, the, with Don Stedman, our former missions pastor, that's doing work with Syrian refugees all over Europe, and, and, and they've asked us to bring some people from Hillcrest to come and to go spend some time with Syrian refugees who've been abandoned by their own faith and are open to the gospel like they've never been open before. Maybe a risk for you is to go to Greece this summer and go spend some time with people that desperately need to hear the gospel and desperately need to know what it means to walk with Jesus. We're also taking a group to Brazil to go work with people in the favelas during the Olympics and the opportunity to open our Bible and to talk about the God that loves people. And is it risky? Absolutely. It's absolutely risky. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Maybe those are a couple opportunities that, that, you, that God might be speaking to you about. Or maybe it's just taking a risk with your coworker. Maybe it's taking a risk with a friend. They're not projects. They're real human beings. You know, Pete, this guy who was a paraplegic, their friends were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus, to take whatever risk it took. I pray that Hillcrest, if we interviewed people in Overland Park, Kansas, and you said, and they said, oh, you go to Hillcrest, I hope that we have a reputation of being a bunch of people that are willing to take risks, that are willing to do whatever it takes. You know this church was started by a risk, right? I mean, a bunch of people had this crazy idea that they should move out to the suburbs where there was no homes or no anything because, because they wanted to take a risk to plant a church in a space that they felt like God was calling them to go to. They took second mortgages out on their house 
You think that's not risky? And you and I get to benefit because of it. We get to love Jesus more because of that risk. So the second step after identifying the roadblocks and eliminating the excuses to take risks and go where God leads you to go. Third is don't hide your pain. The third step that you and I can take is don't hide your pain. You know, this guy was lowered down right in front of Jesus, totally interrupted Jesus right in the middle of teaching, right? I mean, how rude of them, right? No, it wasn't rude. It was incredible. And they get, this guy gets lowered down right in front of Jesus, and he didn't hide his pain. He couldn't. I think oftentimes we think when we come to church that we've got to wear a mask, that we've got to hide our pain, we've got to hide the stuff that's going on in our life. Church should be the safest place for you and I and for people around to be able to come with the pain in their life, to be able to come with the stuff in their life that maybe doesn't even look like Jesus and to be able to come and to talk about it and bring it in front of a God that can do something about their pain. I can't do anything about your pain, but God can. He's the one that can heal the pain in our life. And there's nothing he hasn't heard before, and there's nothing that he can't do about your pain. And I love the fact that when Jesus sees this man, he couldn't hide his pain. It was obvious. It was right there. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, again, if I was Pete, the paraplegic guy, I'd probably be like, whoa, whoa, time out. That's not why. I want you to heal me physically. But the fact that Jesus starts with healing the pain in his life, the parts of his life that didn't look like Jesus, I think was incredible. Because the greatest need that you and I have in life, God created us to be in a relationship with him, and the greatest need that you and I have is to be forgiven, to be reconciled with a God that loves you. And so what's the pain in your life? What's the pain in my life that we need to bring before our Father who desperately wants to heal our lives? Because when our pain is healed, there's this new side of us that comes alive. This new side of us that that, that gets released. And I love it because the last step is to live in a way that represents a changed life. They hit a roadblock. They didn't let the excuses stop them. They pushed through the roadblock. They took a risk. They didn't hide their pain. And then when when Jesus heals this man, what does it say he did? He got up. And what did he do? Did he go up through the roof? No. He got up and he ran out of the room that he couldn't get in, mat in hand, with his buddies, praising God in giving him all the glory. You see, when God does these things in our life, it would be almost absurd for us to try to take any credit for it. No, there's no reason for us to take credit because we have a changed life. We have a life that preaches. We have a life that can point people to a risen Savior. It's like, it's like this, the story I shared with you earlier where the kid raises his hand and he says, man, I, my life has changed. Can I tell my friends about my love for Jesus because I want them to experience what I have experienced. And they ran out of there. And you know what's so cool? You know what I love about the text and we're gonna close with this. I love that the people were in awe of what God had done. They were in awe. They stood there and they couldn't believe what they just witnessed. 
Man, I pray for our church. I pray for our conference. I pray for you and I pray for me that we would be a place that's filled with awe and wonder at what God is doing in the midst of our life. That there is story after story after story of roofs that have been torn apart and people brought before a Savior that can change their life forever. And that we would see those stories and we would be witness to those stories and we would be a part of those stories because God is sending us out. God is sending us out. God is sending you out and he's sending me out because we have friends And we have people in our lives that don't know Jesus. We have friends and we have people in our lives that desperately need a relationship with Jesus. I brought one of my friends on Easter Sunday. A couple of them. And you know what happened at the end of the service? It was just a friend that just, it just like God moved in my heart and I invited him to come. And at the end of the service, Pastor Mark gave this beautiful message. And my friend that would admittedly say he wasn't walking with the Lord. When Mark said, he he gave a challenge at the end about giving your life to Jesus. And he said, and sometimes we put God on a box, and he grabs the sheet of paper right in front of him, and he starts writing stuff down, and my friend literally turns over, and he looks at me, and he says, man, I put God in a box all the time. Can we talk more about this, because I want help with this. Man, it was awesome. It was amazing. And, And it was glory and praise to God. Because my friend saw a side of God that he desperately needed to see. And he's a guy that now, he wouldn't call him perfect at all, but man, he is going for it with Jesus. And he's, he's a man that it's like he ran out of this sanctuary. He ran out of the sanctuary giving praise and glory to God. And I'm rubbing my eyes going, I can't believe what I just saw. Guys, who are the people in your life? You know, cool, you know, let me just say this. Mark's in Italy. He's on vacation with his family. How cool would it be next week? Just think about this for a second. If Mark Severson shows up and there's no room to put people in the sanctuary. There's no room for people. We're putting people up on the stage. We're tearing a hole in the roof because people are being lowered down because you and I have been sent. We've been called. We have been called as creations of God to take the love and passion that is in our hearts to a world that desperately needs to know Jesus. We're not called to put on a nice robe, to look good, check the box, and move on. No, we are called to be launched into a world that needs to know Jesus. I want to pray right now as we close, and then I want to introduce you to a couple kids that um, God's been doing some stuff in their life, and I want you to hear their story. But let me pray. Hey, Jesus, thank you so much. God, you love us so much. And Lord, I thank you for this story of the way that you worked in an amazing way. And Lord, you did it in such a way where not only was this man's life changed, but I guarantee that the people that saw what happened, they saw a side of you that maybe they'd never seen before. Lord, I think about the critics, the people that were in there that couldn't believe that Jesus said your sins are forgiven. And they started gossiping and they were so angry. God, I think we can sometimes be like that. We can be so critical towards certain things when right in front of us is a changed life. 
God, let us not be critical people, but Lord, let us be people that push beyond the things we want to be critical about and see Jesus, see you for who you are. God, make us compassionate people. Lord, compassion is what drove these friends to bring their friends to Jesus. Lord, create in us a passion, a compassion for people in our lives that don't know you. Lord, unify us. Lord, there's so many little things in our church that can divide us. God, let that not become a foothold or an excuse or a roadblock from us seeing you. God, unify us as one body so that, Lord, people all over would know that this is a place where you can come and you can meet Jesus, where we can see Jesus. And God, give us the strength and the courage to figure out where we can go to tear holes in roofs and lower people into your presence so that you get the glory, the honor, and the praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.